Hey, what's going on? Uh, today we're going to introduce you to Brenda Chen from uh, Conventus, and she's the head of sales there. If you haven't heard of what Conventus is, it is a hard money lending company, and she's also the founder of SF Bay Real Estate Club and Venus Rising. So, welcome, Brenda. Let's talk about everything going on with you. Hey, Matt. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, and really excited to be here. Welcome. I'm glad to have you on the show. I've been meaning to talk to you for quite a bit of time, and mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot of our friends are, you know, definitely using you for uh, their properties, their flips, their development projects. And you know, I want to talk to you more about learning more of what you're doing and what uh, Conventus is all about. Yeah, let's get started. Yeah. So, what is um, so? What have you been doing actually? So, you <laughs> mentioned before, uh, just in our previous chats, that you've been a hard money lender for three years. Yeah, exactly. So I've been at Conventus since July 11, 2017, so three years ago to this day. Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. And it's been really fun. Before that, I had like no knowledge about real estate, so I learned everything through this job and this company. So it's been really awesome. So what made you decide to get into real estate and to get into hard money lending? That's a great question. I kind of just fell into it on accident. and. I just got very lucky because it's something that I really love. And before that, I was pre-med and working in a hospital and looking for something different to pivot to. And back then, I was just trying new things out and um, got recruited really early. I was like employee number seven or something and just really fell in love with it because I think the people at the company, the people that we work with, our clients are very special and that they don't like the typical lifestyle they are striving for something more for financial freedom for investing to building their wealth and their legacy and so i think it's just this really awesome group of people and this community is really tight-knit um that's how we met as well through a real estate group and i think this the community is um totally next level so i just fell into it got you know i was really um hungry back then just like going to a bunch of events trying to learn as much as i can and then through that, just um, the more I learned, the more I became interested. So that's how I got here today. It's funny, you know, a lot of actually like a lot of pre-med, a lot of medical uh, industry people, they all jump into real estate. Like, why is that? Like, what makes you yeah, want to go into real estate? If you're doing really well as, as a pre-med, you know? Yeah, let's, um, well, I think I realized that pre-med wasn't for me. Like, I love helping people. And um, I thought I wanted to do that through medicine, but um, I realized that I was always reading business books on the side, like self, you know, self development and the, all that kind of stuff. And I think real estate, um, because it can be challenging, a lot of the people in real estate are also really into self development. So that I think I just felt at home with this group of people. And um, so I, I didn't think medicine was necessarily for me, but I do think there's something in common in that you know we're we're all striving for something. Um, with you know big with our lives like medicine it's it can be very challenging and and real estate as well so I think that's that might be the commonality there I think so too and I just like talking earlier uh, it reminds me too like how our team is uh, built as well like we have doctors we have dentists we have mm. uh, nurses in our team MBAs mm -hmm. and it's funny I think the commonality is that we're all like you know really people uh, people who always want to learn, constantly striving for more and better. And I think one way real estate and investing is a way to serve people. It's a way to serve people differently in a financial freedom model, but at the same time, it's ability to scale and help people grow. Mm -hmm. And that ability to help 
many people at the same time, it can be really rewarding financially and just beneficially to help everyone grow their real estate portfolio, their wealth, their family's wealth, and just, you know, create a different kind of level of success. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think, yeah, another thing that I just thought of, um, with you know medicine and and real estate is that it's really it seems like it's a calling for people like it's not a job like real estate you're on all the time like my all my free time is on learning real estate and, and meeting people in real estate and then you know I have my job that's in real estate and I think it's the same case in the hospital too like you're never really off um, so it's really something you devote your life to. So like you're living and breathing real estate and I'm sure <laughs> your your breakfast lunch and dinners is all around <laughs> real estate right? Yeah yeah I love it. It is. I think even from uh, in my life, like our family dinners, even when we we're a lot younger in our early 18, 20s and 30s, uh, we're always sitting at dinner talking about real estate. Like the dinner mm -hmm. table conversations is just about real estate. It's like everything <laughs> you can do about real estate, all the different investment strategies, goals, uh, what's going on in the market. It's like, yeah. why are we talking about this? This is our dinner conversation, right? It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. And you, yeah. you realize that like, even our kids right now, like our kids are like four years old and uh, six months old, seven months old today. And we're talking about real estate in the t on the table, you know, they're hearing it. So it's kind of funny to go about that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, after that, you decided to go into, you know, real estate and you went to hard money lending. Uh, can you tell us more about, because most people out there, I think in commonality is that most people out there don't know exactly what hard money is and where they have misconception of what hard money does and how it helps you. Can you tell us kind of like more about what it, what is? Yeah, absolutely. And I had no idea what it was either before I joined. And I think it's great that it exists. So basically, it's an asset based uh, loan. So it's um, private lending, in a sense, and that it's not a conventional loan, but you can use that for your business purpose properties or um, investment properties. So it's just a quicker way to get personalized financing. So instead of having to jump through a lot of hoops to get a bank loan, you would get it faster. And of course, there's a premium for that. And so we serve the investor that just needs to close quickly in order to be competitive. Um, and then we help them with value add, like construction, renovation, um, and all that so that they can stabilize properties and then eventually sell or refinance. So we're kind of that bridge option between purchasing and then refinancing into a bank loan or just selling for a profit. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit more. Um, yeah. So, for example, you, you know, private money, private lenders, and private money is basically when you have a client, your investor group, your your pool of funds, you use their money. They're not conventional money. They're not. It's not from a lender, like a normal residential lender, commercial lender. It's not from a big bank, but it's more from private money, private corporations who are fund, funding these deals. But at the same time, they're charging a premium for that. And these clients are using that money to uh, either buy real estate, flip properties, develop, or um, other methods of real estate. Is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. So our, our loans are based on the asset itself. So we have uh, fewer requirements. Um, we still have requirements, but they're not as strict. And then um, it's all about speed in real estate sometimes. Uh, and so we are able to close in like five to 10 business days on average. And then um, sometimes it takes banks like 30 days or something. And so um, we just, yeah, some people can pay us off really quickly and then refinance or, or just sell for a profit if it's a short project. Okay. So, for example, you say when you say asset-based program and you're referring to the property itself, whether it's residential mm -hmm. or commercial, you're using mm -hmm. that asset to um, kind of calculate and fund a deal if the 
deal makes sense to you guys, uh, then you guys will fund the loan for them. And normally people would use a hard money lender uh, when they can't get a normal traditional loan or they need a certain time period or a bridge in between a real a regular loan, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, I know banks ask for tax returns and we don't need that because, uh, like you said, we're asset based. So we look at the value itself and then we make the loan amount based on that. Of course, we look at everything holistically. And for example, we like to see experience, but um, but that's not always the case. Like, well, we're much more flexible. And so there are a lot of different factors into each loan and we can mitigate our risk based on factors like, you know, reserves or income or um, the loan amount. And so we're just pulling different levers to make it work. Whereas sometimes um, at a traditional lender, you might have to stick to this box and you can't, if you don't fit in the box then you don't, don't get it. But whereas we can kind of um, change things about the loan to make it easy for you. Okay, so yeah, we'll keep going through these and walk through step by step so that way we can get a full understanding because even for me or for other agents and clients, the misconception of how a hard money lender works and when it should, when they should use a hard money lender, uh, we'll go through all those steps. So okay. for example, you said um, when you're looking to, like a person's looking to buy a property and for example, they might be self-employed, they might not have enough down payment or they might need to close in five to 10 days, you said. Um, in that case, they might say, okay, well, a normal traditional lender is not going to be able to close in five to 10 days. I just found this great deal. Let's say, for example, the house was 800K and the real, the real value is a million dollars, but you somehow got you somehow found the seller who's desperately needing to sell. Then kind of the purpose of a hard money loan at that time period for this specific scenario would be they mm -hmm. want to jump in. They would call you and say, hey, could we make this deal work? I know this property is worth a million dollars, but I'm actually getting a steal right now for 800K yeah. Yeah. Um, being what it is. And but I need to close in five days and then you guys would make that happen, right? Yeah, and the, and uh, the more deals we do with our clients, the faster it gets because we have a lot of their information already. So yeah, we, we're a lot faster and we can provide things that banks can't too, like construction funds. Um, we can do interest reserves. Um, there, we can cross-collateralize properties so you can use more than one property for a project. So for example, if you want to buy a property but you don't have the down payment um, but you have a lot of equity in your rental property or something, you can, if you own that free and quick and use that cash out to pay for the down payment. And then we'll also give you a purchase loan on your, um, the new property that you're buying. So then you're kind of getting a hundred percent financing through using more than one piece of real estate. So little things like that, um, that we can be creative with. Nice. That's a really good option for people. Um, basically, that's like a bridge loan. Then you would call it a bridge loan, where you're helping mm -hmm. someone who already has a you know existing property, but they might need a little more extra funds. They want to buy that next house uh, investment, whatever, and then use their current property as a asset um, to leverage it to buy the next property. And then you guys are funding that deal when a normal traditional lender might not do that deal because of their um, debt to income ratios being a little higher than it should be to buy that house. And then after they get the house and let's say they rent it out, then they might be able to refinance it to a normal traditional loan again so that they can bridge mm -hmm. the gap. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes um, banks won't lend on fixers and we a lot of investors do wanna have um, or do wanna buy fixers because that's how they can value add and then sell for profit. And so 
if you fix it up to get a bank loan, then it, um, it, there's not much space for you to add value and then sell for a profit. So that's where we can come into is, you know, we've lent, we don't do this super often, but there are properties that have been fire damaged or, you know, really, really in bad shape. Um, but then the investors are uh, able to use our loan to, to acquire it quickly and then turn it around really fast. So that's a good example. So if you were to look at a house and let's say it's a great location and everything, but it had fire damage, normally a traditional lender would not be able to fund that loan because of just the liability itself being a fire damaged house. You have to make sure you, you know, get it all cleaned up, mitigate all the risk, put it back to normal. And that, yeah, exactly. that risk factor is like most lenders will like, I can't do that. Right. They're not going to take the liability. Mm-hmm. So then that's, a good example where a hard money lender says, I will, right? And you'll take it in, you'll calculate everything, make the assessment. And the person who buys the house will say, okay, based on that number, here's my goal of what I'm going to spend to fix it up. Here's my hard money loan. Um, in the future, here's my value to sell it. And then I either sell it where I can refinance it once I'm done with everything, fixing everything with permits and it all. Yeah. So, so that's a good way to use a hard money lender as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, nice. That's, that is nice to hear that basically you're giving a lot of different options when residential loans or commercial loans can't do the loan, right? Yeah. Of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just giving people the chance to stabilize property so that they can rent it out or, you know, hold it long term and, and use a traditional lender and give them the time that they need to get a conventional loan. Um, or sometimes they might not even want a loan afterwards. They just want to sell it as soon as possible. And so our loans don't have prepayment penalties for those types where you could just fix it up really fast and sell it in a month if you want to, whereas um, some a lot of other lenders wouldn't allow that. So how do people like start learning about hard money loans and then how do they get into it? Because I know most people out there be like, oh, okay, I want to buy a house, I want to buy a fixer, I want to remodel, flip a house. But I always, like people always look at the traditional route of residential lending. When do they start looking at hard money lending? That's a great question. I think it's, it's relatively new in the scheme of things. Um, I know people have started talking more about it on places like Bigger Pockets, um, like podcasts like this one. Um, we're starting to introduce it more in our real estate meetup. We're going to start um, having re- webinars for people, not just to learn about hard money itself, but all the different options that are out there because we're just one option. And so we just, you know, as, as a real estate investor, you want to pick the best and there are pros and cons with each. So the more knowledgeable you are about all the different options, the more you can pick the one that's best suited for your project. That's good to know, too, because, for example, like the misconception of hard money loans is that, hey, you know, for example, it's really hard to find a hard money lender that you can know and trust and build a a relationship with because there's so many hard money lenders out there. You don't know which one's the good ones, which ones charge a lot of money, a lot of points, a lot of uh, back end fees. And, you know, especially when you're doing a flip or a good investment, you feel rushed. So if you're going in rushed and you don't know who you're working with and you don't have um, any experience through, you know, talking to them, having webinars with them, learning about what they do, why they do it, how they do it, then you're going in kind of blindly and you're, you're rushing your numbers. So then, you know, you don't want to make mistakes and overpaying for anything. Um, and then coming out at the end of the deal and not making good, uh, a good investment on the flip, right? Or a development project. Yeah, totally. You want to find someone that has a partnership mindset with you, a lender that wants you to succeed um, and doesn't want you to default. And so that's why we take 
um, time to evaluate your project that it does make sense before we say yes to it because we don't want you to go into it and then have it be like a huge rehab where you don't make any profit and then you might not be able to make your payments. That's like the worst case scenario for us. So we would say no to those projects. And we have in the past where the renovation budget just didn't make sense um, according to our construction team. And we told the client that and they decide to go with another lender. And then they found out that um, basically it was not feasible. And so I think it's, yeah, we should definitely be really careful about that you want to make sure who's actually on your side and who has um, the same kind of goals as you. And so our goals are for our clients to succeed. Um, and then, you know, we can mutually benefit from that. That is a great way to look at it. And I've, you know, I've been hearing people talk about that before too, where they talked about harmony loans and talked about the scenarios and the issues they ran into and how different harmony lenders were different um, in terms of their goals and mindset of how to help clients. Some of them were actually, they would say, you know, offer the offer themselves to make the good money on the points and fees. But there are some really good um, harmony lenders, which would actually look out for you and say, Hey, based on what you told me on your project, that's actually not viable in, in our experience. And we've done a lot of deals just like this one, but your numbers don't pan out. And we want to just kind to give you a forewarning that hey that might not be a good investment you might want to double check your calculations on your remodeling costs and everything our loans are great but it, the numbers don't make sense for what you're trying to do with in our opinion right so that yeah matters. yeah totally i think um when i was just getting started i i was always on the client side like of course like the value is going to be there after they fix it up like their estimated value and then um you know our credit teams would kind of do a reality check like okay it's not really that high and then i would kind of side with the clients before but now i realize that it's good to be conservative because of course it's great to get a great number but if if it's kind of a pie in the sky type thing like you don't know if you're actually gonna get there um you might lose out on a lot so um, just being conservative, and I know lenders typically are because they need to protect themselves, but in the end, it also protects the client too so they don't get in over their heads on, you know, if the after-repair value is way lower than what they expected, um, they could lose out on a lot that way. Yeah, it makes sense, especially nowadays with uh, everything going on and COVID going on. I think a lot of lenders, investors are tightening their funds, a lot of jumbo lenders out there tightening funds, and Harmonium, I'm assuming they're also tightening and being more cautious because at the same time, it's not easy to flip in the market right now. And if you are, you have to be cautious about your numbers because your timeline, you think it takes, for example, two months, four months, it might take six, six months or a year. You don't know with permitting mm -hmm. everything closed down, uh, supplies, materials, and you know workers and the chances of people getting sick, everything's being worked on a lot at a lot slower pace so then your numbers can change drastically so i think investors out there and, and even you know flippers out there are kind of watching their numbers way more tightly and kind of like you know putting themselves at a discount calculation to say hey just in case we have extra room for if anything happens even more than before just to make sure that it pens out yeah and if yeah if someone is new um i would advise them to, yeah, talk to their lenders and talk to people like the real estate agents in the area, like people like you and um, other investors. The more people you talk to, the more perspectives you can get. And so I know recently someone talked to a bunch of realtors in Orinda and um, was able to get more color on that specific property in that neighborhood. Whereas um, they, you know, I don't even know, like in that, you know, and I mean, 
I, I tried to, um, our team didn't know about the specifics of that property and we do this all day, every day. And so it's also, it's also important to talk to local people in the area so you know exactly which neighborhoods are best. That helps a lot too, because if you think about it, you're actually building a team, especially as an investor, flipper, developer, that you're having extra uh, extra set of eyes looking at mm -hmm. everything in details, looking at the area, neighborhoods, uh, the property itself, and your scope of work that you're planning to do. Just on top of the lending side of it and just helping you lend your money, they're actually helping you look at things. So you're actually building another set of your into your team. Mm -hmm. So if you can, you know, people can learn to appreciate that. That actually has been really beneficial if you have a strong team and strong lenders or in harmony or residential who can look out for you it makes it a lot easier to say hey actually that's good numbers i vetted it with my lenders my harmony guys my contractors my agents and everyone agrees that our team agrees that that makes sense so then they'll go for it right rather than saying hey the harmony lender is just doing a loan and they don't care right it just money extra money for them so that, that is yeah nice. yeah we ha i think uh, we have a a long-term vision we want people to, you know people in real estate they stay in this industry for a long time so we're not just gonna you know make uh you know extra on one deal and then forget the rest like it's it's about helping people succeed so that they can be in this game for decades to come so when you go to this too so for example let's say um you know a new person a new person is interested in flipping a young guy's interest young guy girls interested in flipping right now and they the first thing they do is call you what do you tell them about hard money loans that's a good question i think i would try to understand their business plan and their vision uh what type of project they're uh interested in what type of markets they're interested in um and then why and so if they're new, then it's for their benefit to be really careful. So to have enough reserves to cover um, all the costs associated. So not only are there hard costs like construction costs um, and all that, but there are soft costs too, like taxes, like payments, um, all of that. And so just making sure that they, they have that covered and that they have uh, someone that can help them because it's very hard to do your first deal. So um, I think it'd be better if they they have someone to go to that has done it before and so just getting a sense of why they got interested in like who's helping them what the resources they have and then uh, what properties they ha are interested in and so um, we we evaluate the property itself to make sure the value is there that the they're buying it at a fair price and then that uh, their rehab budget or their construction budget makes sense and that their resale value makes sense as well. So what are they gonna, what's the value creation that they're doing to the project? And then what's the resale price that they are looking for um, based on the value that they've created? Okay, so, and let's say all that makes sense. So what would be the next steps too? Like after everything makes sense, kind of depends out having conversation with you, this mm -hmm. looks like a good deal. How do they get started with you and what do they need to provide to you guys to get the ball rolling so they can actually you know, acquire that property? Yeah, we're, um, we're really fast. So we just want the loan application. Um, it's online. And then we collect the documents um, from our, our ops team does that. And then it takes around five to 10 business days to close for properties under 2 million right now. And then above that, it's probably um, takes longer, maybe like uh, two to three weeks. Um, right, right now, we're only doing like single family, multifamily projects. Um, 
before we used to do some mixed use and commercial, but it's always changing now, um, especially since um, COVID. Um, so things are always evolving. So, um, but that's typically what we're doing now. And we just get the appraisal done, um, work with title and escrow to, to coordinate everything and then close really fast. How's the, um, how's the documentation compared to normal traditional loans? Like what do you guys ask for? That's a good question. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to go into all that, actually. Okay, so, okay we, we could skip that. But basically, I would say there's a difference between documentation between a hard money lender and a residential lender. And it's somewhat easier to go through a hard money lender if you have limited documentation to make it happen, right? Yeah, exactly. So okay. I think the biggest thing for people is tax returns. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't require tax returns. Okay, that's a good one too. Because mm -hmm. let's say this: um, if you don't require tax returns, that means you know it makes it easier for self-employed um, people who are starting new businesses, people who want to get into the industry, or people who have less income uh, but have good assets or yeah, have exactly. a good um, asset property they're acquiring that that makes sense. Then it, you're giving them an option for those who are not standard A paper people or standard A you know A clients who have everything in the world to make it super easy and full docs then you're giving that option. Or for people who are heavily more leveraging than uh, banks who are a little bit more conservative right now, then you have some additional options for them. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, banks are also getting more strict. And so, um, yeah, you're right in that, for example, if they have enough reserves and the loan to value is low enough, then it doesn't matter as much um, what their income is uh, you know, they're putting a bunch of their money into the down payment. Okay. Uh, whereas for banks, they, they might want to see a steady stream of income uh, for for years or something. But I'm, I I don't work at a bank, so I'm not sure about their requirements, but yeah. uh, things like that. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I used to be a lender too. So I'm oh, an investor, cool. investor and lender before. So it makes, awesome. it, a lot, makes it a lot easier to uh, understand the models of how different models work, why they're doing mm -hmm. it this way, and then which one to utilize for our clients in terms of investing in real estate. It helps a lot when you have that kind of background to understand. Uh, I haven't done Harmony loans, so I actually want to you know see more about what you guys are doing and you know how that compares in general, right? But my gist of it is that when you have certain requirements to meet uh, that are not traditionally um, acceptable by banks, then it's good to to go your option, and especially for bridging loans too, because most lenders don't bridge loans uh, without using a hard money in between to like buy a second property, right? Like trade up, mm -hmm. trade up to another property and keep your current existing property at the same time. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. That is good to know that you can do that. And so then people out there would start, you know, talking to you more about that and you guys can close it within five to 10 days. That's pretty fast. And it's because you're not going through the same kind of policies that uh, normal traditional lenders use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're a lot faster. We don't ask for as many things and we understand that time is the, of the essence for investors, especially when there are a lot of other competitors in the space. So we know that, um, the timing can be the difference between winning a deal and not getting it or, or them getting a discount because they can close fast. So we have had a lot of clients that were able to win deals, not because their offers were, the highest but because they could close quickly yeah that's actually a good point to make because you know i think a lot of people in our in our heads right for example oh let me get the best rate let me get the best terms on that rate because that'll save me money but it, when you think about the uh, the different big picture is that if you get a great rate but you don't get the deal 
the deal never the, it never mattered, <laughs> right? The rate rate never yeah. mattered. Yeah. But if you find a great deal and the rate's a little bit higher, but when you calculate that rate into your good deal and you're making a lot of money, then the rate never mattered, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, a lot of our experienced clients, they could get bank loans all day, every day, but they don't because they know that time is more important to them. And sometimes they don't want to necessarily go through all the headaches of getting a, a traditional loan. They just want to get it fast and then do their rehab and then get out, you know, and um, whereas they, ha- they might have to wait a while longer for, to, for them to get a bank loan. That is true too, and I think one thing to look at too for investors out there or even buyers out there is that when if you can calculate the loan and your risk assessment to buy that property, and if it, the financial numbers make sense better than a normal traditional loan, then it makes sense to do it and buy it. And then if afterwards you can always refinance it later uh, to get a to get a better rate, right? If you want to, or if you know you're just gonna do a quick flip. Then you don't. You might not need to traditional route anyways. Or if the property doesn't even meet the requirements, or you don't meet the requirements, then that way is a great way to go. But a lot okay. of people out there might not look at it that way. They might like, oh, I'm paying a high rate, high points, whatever, um, and then not calcul- not foresee and calculate in the future. Like, hey, that actually makes sense. I wish some of my clients before, even in the past, like years ago, like, hey, we should have done a hard money lending on that deal. You know, it, the rate was a little bit higher, but if you calculated it. The timing made sense. The money made sense. You, you would have made a lot of money, but then they passed on it. Then you're like, oh, you know, wasted, <laughs> wasted opportunity because they didn't go the hard money route, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And sometimes it's it's like you said, they might not even be able to get any sort of financing. So it's not even about the rate. So sometimes the banks just won't lend on that property type or a property that needs to be fixed up. And so... Um, if they do so- want to do that project, then um, they can do it with us. Whereas if they only would uh, go with a the bank, then they it wouldn't materialize for them. And so, yeah, we're able to make a lot more projects possible for people. Yeah, I think there's also like a misconception of, you know, in some cultures, a misconception of hard money loans and being scared about it and saying that's not the great way to go. You'll always have to go the 30-year fixed route, you know? That's <laughs> a tra- traditional you know, standard. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like looking at it and thinking like, not really. You don't really have to do that at all. You just have to understand the different models, what makes sense to you, why a hard money loan, why a 30-year fix, why even a 7-1-R makes sense to you. And if that calculates the best way for you, why not go that route, right? Yeah, just uh, running through your projects through different types of financing. Mm-hmm. So I know some people with us, they know exactly how much their holding costs are per month. Mm-hmm. And then so at, at some point, it wouldn't make sense to go with a hard money loan. For example, if your project's going to take five years, hard money is not for you mm-hmm. because our payments are higher. And so it's like, what is that threshold that you, you think you can achieve? So if you think you can ach- uh, achieve your completion in three months, then hard money might make sense for you, but if if you if it starts um, becoming more expensive um, at month like eight or something, you might want to see if that's feasible for you to finish before month eight. And if not, then you might want to find a bank for it. Yeah. So a good example, say, let's say you found a property that was fire damaged and you knew it only takes three months to, on average, let's say just to fix that small fire damage, then you can say, well, I'll buy the house. I'll take the hard money loan. Uh, we'll use that three months to fix the house where I can actually qualify for a normal traditional loan. And then I'll refinance it to a traditional loan. Or I might hold it for two more months, finish the whole project, rent it out, and then do a real, ref- uh, real refinance. And maybe I'll, be- I'll, build- I'll build some equity and do a cash out, right? 
Mm -hmm. those are options there but if you go oh i don't want a hard money loan because i don't understand it then you actually skip the property you skip the profits and then you know you don't get the loan period right Mm -hmm. yeah so that's more of understanding i think i think people out there all of us out there just need to educate ourselves on hard money loans what it is what it does how to do it and who to use and when to use it and you know i'm sure that you know a lot of hard money lenders out there are they all the same or are they different uh we're we're different so um, different lenders have different uh, advantages um, based on you know the geography the geography they do or the loan types they do. So we're going to be launching our long term rental product soon. And so before that, we couldn't do those types, and so we had to refer out or um, people had to wait. But um, things like that, uh, we used to do um, more like commercial types, but now we're we're more focused on single family, multifamily. And yeah, I would just talk to different people and try to understand um, what is their um, bread and butter that they do. And so we're able to be really competitive on projects with construction, for example. And uh, we understand um, that it's hard for investors. And so we have that investor mindset where um, we think, what is it going to be that would make it easier for them to to get this loan and for them to work with us? instead of the other way around where um, they have to give us all these things or we're not gonna fund their project, which is some um, uh, some of the mindset that other lenders might have. But yeah, we, we just wanna make it easy for them. And we also want them to uh, not take um, additional risks that they don't have to. Yeah, we work with them to interview them on their project to see if it makes sense. And then if it does, then we, we move forward and um, we see ourselves more as a partner. See yourself as a partner here and that you're kind of going through everything with them, the motions to make sure the numbers make sense and you're kind of guiding them on that part of it to uh, move forward, right? And you said that there's different kinds of harmony lenders out there. There are different niches. There are probably different rates, different pricing, um, different specialties, and even different demographic areas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what areas do you guys focus in? That's a great question. So most of our loans are in California and New York. Um, and then after that, in areas like Washington, Hawaii, uh, Florida, um, New Jersey, things like that. But right now, the majority of our loans are in California, but we're expanding elsewhere. Okay, and majority is California. And you mentioned you know single-family homes, uh, multi-units, not mixed units, and not commercial. So why is that? Uh, that's a good question. It's just um, because of how... Well, I don't know. The the risk? Just risk involved? Um, Well, yeah. um, So, yeah. So basically, um, there aren't as many buyers of commercial and mixed use properties. So that's one reason. Um, Yeah. Demand. Okay. So basically, Mm -hmm. demand on the loan types is also a factor into what kind of loans you guys do. And right now, the majority is focusing on single families and multi units in the residential Mm -hmm. space, Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily commercial space. And you know, specify, specifically in mostly California, you mentioned a few other states, but right here is what you guys are doing, kind of your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And how has it changed, the market changed for you guys in terms of 2020, shelter-in-place, COVID? Has it changed? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So when COVID first happened, um, it was kind of frozen for a bit, like just trying to evaluate what's happening. Um, I think not just us, but a lot of our clients too, um, because there are so many uncertainties. And 
there are still are uncertainties, but I would say it's warming up a lot compared to before. So it seems like a lot of people are still doing deals. Why do you think it's warming up now? That's a good question. Um, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I I need to look more into the trends and all that. But it seems like pe- people, at least in the Bay Area, are still very active. Okay. Yeah, I think for example, for me in real estate, I think a lot of people are still active, and I think it has to do with just because there's a lot of you know there still is a lot of tech jobs. There's still a lot of money here. There's still a lot of equity here. The most important is equity, and the and then you know there's still good stock values out there. There's a lot of people you know in different areas who don't have the same kind of opportunities. But with that being said, um, people are still feeling confident, and even though there is COVID, there's you know first wave, second wave, uh, maybe some other different. Things going on. I think just the confidence level, and you know, being in these kind of locations makes it more comfortable with the risk involved. And if you are, you know, kind of forecasting, calculating, and saying, "Hey, I think even then with this in place, the um, tech is moving forward." You know, artificial intelligence and just the economy and the way things are going, that you know, those people who can afford it will keep moving on and you know, take the risk to see if it actually goes up or down. But with uh, the rates being super low right now, it's really, you know, really kind of advantageous to say, hey, okay, let's try, right, and see what happens. Yeah, it seems like a lot of my realtor friends in the area say, say that a lot of their buyers are having trouble getting properties mm-hmm. because the inventory is not there. And so, yeah, it seems like there's still a lot of demand for, for houses, especially single-family houses. Yeah, especially that too. Like I'm sure a lot of people who you know live in smaller homes, older homes, maybe homes with no backyards, they're like, I want to move now, and I can work anywhere, and I still love the Bay Area. I still love you know certain cities, and I just want to move. And then with the limited supply, there's a lot of demand still, and with the incomes they have, you know, people here in the Bay Area make really high incomes, so they can afford it. And then they're still taking the opportunity, that risk, and saying, hopefully, uh, both people don't lose their jobs if they're a couple, you know then they can afford to buy it. And with those rates being so low, so many people are like taking purchase loans or even refinances right now to do that. And I think it's a good time to do that if you can find the right property or the right deal to make it happen. So I think that's why the demand is still there and that's why the pricing is still pretty high and certain homes which are overpriced or still expecting 2019 pricing might still <laughs> sit on the market longer, but mm-hmm. homes are still moving. Yeah, totally. Like you said, um, to just do their due diligence. And um, if it makes sense, then um, it, it could be a great opportunity. Are people still doing a lot of flips right now? Um, I would say, yeah, we're still getting those requests. Um, I'm not sure about how much compared to last year, but um, but yeah, we're still getting requests for flips. Okay, yeah, I think, you know, there are still some homes that are really outdated that have a really good opportunity and really good chances of equity. I'm sure they're taking a more conservative approach to it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there is still is opportunity, um, some people will take more of a risk than others. Some people have, you know, some contractors are doing their own flips, right? The contractors will buy it, mm-hmm. uh, get a hard money loan themselves, do all the work and resell it, you know, and with or, with or without agents and, you know, make mm-hmm. some good money on it. Yeah. And, that is a great way to work with you guys to mm-hmm. make that make that happen then rather than, you know, a traditional route, right? Because even like a contractor, contractors are self-employed mostly and they have, you know, they have money, they probably have good assets, but it's harder on paper to show it. And they have the experience background to do the flips. They have the calculations already. They just need the money to fund the project, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And 
um, sometimes finding a good contractor is um, the most challenging part, especially in the Bay Area when everyone's so busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, people are really still um, uh, into fixing up houses, and um, I would say. There have been some delays that I've heard of in terms of like getting permits, but if they find projects where it's a short in and out um, cosmetic type project, then um, it could be a good opportunity. It is, and yeah, speaking of contractors too, like if you guys know any contractors, let us know because some of my contra- <laughs> some of my contractor friends are like, I'm one to two years booked already, or some of them say, Hey, sorry, <laughs> I'm doing my own flips. I don't need you guys, right? I'm like, Ouch, you don't you're doing your own flips, and you don't need, <laughs> you, know, you don't need any of us, right? I'm like, that's good yeah. for you guys. Like, come call, call me later when you're free. They're like the yeah. superstars right now. They're the they're the rock stars, right? Yeah, some of my clients became contractors for that reason. <laughs> That's a good reason to become a contractor yeah. when you can do your own projects and you can calculate everything yourself and make mm-hmm. some good money on it. Yeah, and exactly. There's a lot of great um, investors, a lot of great agents and people, contractors who are doing their own flips right now and making good money. And they, some of them are posting on social media. There's some great um, flippers out there. And even if it's a harder time, they're having fun doing it. And hopefully they come out strong at the end of it and not take too much risk involved. And the permitting time is a little bit tricky because I even know some friends who said, hey, they bought a house as a light cosmetic fixer, but they did get some permits and the permits took six months to a year right now. Oh my gosh. Sorry, one is architects gone, busy, COVID. <laughs> the, then the building shut down, department shut down, permit, couldn't get permitting for a long time. And once it came back up, they're all back, backlogged. And they're yeah. like, yeah, I just bought this house, but now I'm sitting here for over six months and I can't even move into it. I'm like, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, it's good to do that research up front so you don't get stuck into something like that. Yeah, and they didn't even imagine this would happen, right? Like they, they bought it before COVID oh, and then oh, they I started see. the project and then COVID hit and everything shut down and the contractor said, bye, oh, I'll call no. you afterwards. And they're, <laughs> they're stuck in a, you know, a house that they can't really live in. Oh, so wow. That is uh, something that most people would not foresee anytime soon. So hopefully even then that you calculated a good amount of the work, hopefully you can do it yourself too. Um, great experience to learn how to remodel your own houses with permits, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun time. I actually did a lot of work before too um, for projects and it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's hard, it's hard labor. It's, <laughs> good, it's good experience to do those kind of remodeling flips and projects. Did you uh, fix your own house or? So I fixed houses flip? before. Yeah, like oh, I tore cool. up, tore up bathrooms, tore up kitchens, uh, put Cat Six internets on houses, um, did all the wiring stuff like that. Oh wow! And it's hard work. It's you know, and you're dirty, and it's tiring, <laughs> and it's back again painting the whole thing and doing it. It's not fun, but it's a good experience. And by learning how to do it, you have a better understanding, a better appreciation, a better calculation of time and money. Mm-hmm. So you can actually make better judgments on what to do, when to do it, and is it worth doing it. Mm-hmm. and see if they're actually doing it the right way so that's a lot of fun to experience that kind of mindset and to do it and especially nowadays a lot of people are like house hacking right now mm-hmm. so i think house hacking is kind of a fun way to get into real estate a way to learn your numbers to be able to live in a house and have other people to help pay for that mm-hmm. i think a lot of people out there are doing really great events talking about house hacking mm-hmm. and you know finding ways to you know run those analysis to say, hey, based on that, I can stop renting, I can actually buy a house, I can have people live there, make some good money on it and start improving the houses while I'm living there. Um, hopefully your roommates don't mind when you're doing that, but <laughs> doing that and coming out at the end of it and like learning a lot and even starting when you're super young to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, your rent sometimes is the number one expense that you have and if you're able to offset that with roommates and that's great. Yeah, I remember one of my clients, he asked me, oh, he's, he was making good money already, but I was like, 
you want to buy a single family house, why don't you do this? With your qualifications, why don't you go buy a four unit? You live in one unit and then you run out the <laughs> other three units. And I already penned it out for him. And the, the numbers made more sense. And he was actually paying less than a single family house. He's like, what a great idea. I never thought of that. And then he took it. And the house, you know, he lived in it. It paid for itself pretty much. He paid like oh, wow. dirt cheap awesome. rent. And, yeah. and in the last, like what, last seven years or so, it went up over a million dollars equity. You know, probably one, probably one and a half million dollars equity. Wow. He's like, wow, what a great deal. <laughs> Basically doubled my money. I lived here for free and I had a four unit. And he had 1,700 square feet on top floor. That's awesome. It's like, it's like, okay, perfect. That's exactly how you do it, right? You, you learn how to calculate your numbers. You learn how to assess your risk and make good judgment on being somewhere you want to live in and if you yeah. went further and house hacked it further then you can do even more right yeah i'm curious what city was that in san francisco oh wow that's amazing so, yeah during that 2008 2009 time when no one was buying i was actually helping a lot of my clients and myself um, buy multi-unit buildings and mm -hmm. we're running analysis and telling our uh, people to buy good deals and we're basically winning the bids because no one else was buying everyone was stopped buying real estate and then even some of our investors, they didn't buy it. They were like, it can drop more. I'm like, not really. How much more can it go down? <laughs> You're basically going down to nothing and you still want more. And those <laughs> those guys lost out on a good opportunity. The mm -hmm. ones who bought made a lot of money and they had a lot of fun doing it and they took the risk, but they knew that they could afford it and it, it penned out for them really quickly. Like we didn't know how fast it would turn back up and it turned up turned up a lot. Yeah. So that was when I was 20, yeah, when I was 25, I bought my first house in uh, San Francisco when I was 25. Oh, wow. So that was a lot of fun. Bought it, you know, remodeled it, rented it out, uh, you know, got it all going and made good money on it. And later you just keep saving, right? And you can house hack, you can live, you can keep growing your equity and keep investing. Because one thing, like you just said, uh, renting is, can be really expensive. So it's better to quickly figure out how to get rid of that rent, uh, rent payment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of that too, you founded a company, uh, a SF Bay Real Estate Club. What is that about? Yeah, sure. So I founded that with my friend Alice Carcevar two years ago. Nice. And it was because um, I was hosting events for um, what was NSF Girl Bosses, and I met her there. And it was all about self-development um, and just workshops, learning. And um, we were both in real estate, and uh, we were attending meetups in like San Jose, like Mountain View, like uh, pretty far. And we just decided, why don't we just make one here and locally and have the people come to us. And so it's just a really great way to network and meet people. And so I would say, yeah, it's, I've gotten so many um, new friends from that, like referrals, like people in the industry that um, I wouldn't have met if I didn't host. And um, yeah, so it's been really great just just. Um, having different workshops um, on different investing strategies and then happy hours and um, yeah, uh, events all over the Bay Area. Yeah, it looks like you have pretty good turnouts. I actually seen your club like two years ago. I actually went to one of your your events and yeah. saw a lot of a lot of great people there. And I think the mindset is that you're attracting a lot of uh, people who are interested in real estate, learning about investing, you know, learning the next steps and I think a meetup is a great way to, to start um, for them to get to know people get to know you guys and get to meet others who are having the same mindset and I think it becomes a lot of fun you actually build a lot of friends a lot, a lot of relationships out there really quickly mm -hmm. and you can see the different mindsets and how people are doing I'm sure a lot of people are listening to bigger podcasts a lot of people are listening to different podcasts talking about real estate investing and by having these you know events you're able to provide a lot of value educate them and share and just like you said, like happy hours and everything else, it becomes part of their lifestyle. 
Yeah, exactly. And you start seeing the same people in different places. Yeah, you know, I kept seeing you everywhere, and um, it, so yeah, I think it, it's really a sense of community and belonging, and everyone helping each other. Um, and um, to your point from earlier, sometimes it's hard to see whether um, someone is a good referral or not. But if you, if you hear of them multiple times, then you then you kind of know. Um, so it's a great way to meet quality people within real estate. Yeah, I think that is a great way because, like you said, you, you're building that trust right there. Right there, you're hosting all these events. People are seeing you over and over again, and they're getting to hear what you guys are doing, what you guys are saying, and how you're helping other investors out there. And they're sharing that with each other, and then you become a great resource for them to say, "Hey, actually, I'm ready to invest. I'm ready to flip. I'm ready to you know buy real estate for themselves." And you know, it's a great opportunity to grow and you know make new relationships, especially with people in the Bay Area. A lot of people in the Bay Area are always you know attending these kinds of events. So it's nice to see you guys out there doing that. And, you know, you guys been doing that for uh, quite a few years already. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's nice to see. I remember going to your event and it was pretty good. It's like um, seeing everyone talking like, okay, I never thought about it that way. Is a different way of thinking and different styles, different um, types of property, different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think a, a lot of our mutual friends are kind of doing the same and working with each other to, um, you know, build up our empires, right? Yeah, totally. And I'm glad I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And I think the more knowledgeable we can get, the more we can help others. And it, yeah, people in real estate, they're, they're in it for the long haul. And so we all try to help each other out. So all the meetup people know each other, like the different meetup leaders, like um, when people are ha having a conference, we all post events um, for them and things like that to get um, attendees. And, and I think um, it's it's a great way to not only learn about real estate but to to make friends too. What's your next meetup? Uh, I think I see you online. Like, you talked about SF Real Estate Investors and Entrepreneurs Happy Hour. So, mm -hmm. what do you guys do there? That's a great question. So, because of COVID, we had to switch to virtual events now, and so it's just an um, online event where we come and share what we're up to. It can be kind of strange now because we're not. You know, going to these big events anymore in real estate it's a people's business and so this is a way for us to kind of still keep each other updated and to still um yes yeah, still be there for each other um during quarantine yeah i think we'll be in quarantine for quite a while to be honest i don't think <laughs> yeah. it's going to change i think it's just getting wor getting worse to be honest just looking at numbers but hopefully <laughs> yeah. hopefully it gets better um by 2021 i think yeah yeah it's a different way to do events um you know, we used to do these happy hours at bars where it's really hard to hear people and you maybe talk to five people the whole night, but at these virtual events, because um, you can hear each other really clearly and only one person speaks at a time, you can actually get to know a lot of people in a short amount of time. That is good. That's a great way. You actually need to attend more um, online virtual events and just, you know, get to meet more people, speak and just, you know, help each other engage on different topics. Mm -hmm. um, that That's a great way. It's a lot, a lot faster and it's different because you're not physically there, but at the same time, mm -hmm. you can learn and meet many more people really quickly and it makes it easier for people across the world to attend your event. Yeah, so that, totally. That's, the kind of, that's kind of a nice thing too because you're getting demographics where normally in a local event, you're getting all local Bay Area people, but in a global event, you can get anyone around the world and they can share their experiences from anywhere they are in the world. 
Yeah, one of our happy hours, uh, there was someone from Georgia there. And normally there would be no way for her to travel all the way here just for a meetup, but she could just hop on her computer and then we can all hear about her experience. And so, yeah, we're able to access a lot of people. Um, and then also for local people not to have to sit through traffic to, to get to the events, because I remember it used to take me like an hour and a half to get to San Jose or something to attend a meetup. <laughs> so now we just hop on and then it's just an hour. See, that's that's way better, honestly. I think a lot of people, a lot of agents out there, a lot of investors out there are actually just doing that more often now because they find out that this is so much easier, so much faster. It's a great way to communicate. We can actually hear each other way more. We can speak a lot um, to a lot more, engage a lot more people. And it's a good learning and networking opportunity that I think even after COVID, they would keep it and keep mm -hmm. doing it more often. And I find that to be really valuable. And it's just a different mindset, a different change of pace and how people do things. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of fun that way too. Um, you mentioned too, uh, you're, you're a founder of Venus Rising. What's Venus Rising? Yeah, uh, so I started that around three years ago when I first moved to San Francisco or moved back to San Francisco after being in SoCal for a while. And I wanted to just meet people with similar interests. And um, so I decided to start this group. And in the beginning, it was more socials, like brunches and picnics and um, uh, parties. And then it turned into more self-development because I wanted to grow myself. And then I wanted to see what it's like to, um, to yeah, grow my career as well and, and want to hear other people's experiences. So it was just a way for people to come together and empower themselves and empower others through different types of uh, modalities. So we've had retreats um, before COVID where we would go out and um, rent out a big house and then do some yoga, meditation, have like a chef. And um, we had different workshops like how to be healthy and um, how to be confident and how to go after our goals. And then so that kind of sparked um, the real estate group uh, afterwards. But um, it just kind of uh, made me realize how much uh, community means to me. And it totally expanded my network and my um, understanding of what's possible. Because before, I was always hanging out with the same people every week doing the same things. But with meetups, you can have people from all over the world come in. There are some people that come, you know, I had I made this one friend from Mexico that just came in for a brunch and then now we're friends and she lives in you know Tulum right now and so just people like that that I wouldn't never have access to before when I was just in my little um, circle now I, I'm opening up myself and opening up other people's networks so that we can experience more together. I think that's a great way to put it uh, especially like you're doing all these different things, but at the same time you think about it, it's basically like real estate and lifestyle. So being <laughs> yeah. able to converge, you know, two, two different things into your life and have a lot of fun doing it because a lot of people who enjoy real estate, enjoy that kind of lifestyle. They want to you know, work out, be healthy, have a good mindset, do yoga mm -hmm. and build and pa are passionate about things. So taking that into account, they're able to, you know, nowadays a lot of people are able to do so many things and they want to enjoy so many uh, ways and to build a network and, kind of correlate and tie everything together it makes sense and even for us like we're doing real estate we're doing tech we're doing uh sales and marketing we're putting everything together you know we're mm -hmm. doing events podcasting all these different things but at the same time they all kind of work together 
and it makes it so much more fun when we talk about it because like for example this is a real estate investing podcast show we talk about real estate investing syndication real um you know area san francisco bay area talking about lifestyles and you're having fun doing it but in this end of it it's all about growing yeah, absolutely. And there's so many ways to grow. And I think I like I really like that, um, you know, I'm doing both Venus Rising and the real estate group, because I think there are so many things that we can take from other um, disciplines within real estate. And in the end, like you said, we're all trying to grow. And um, it's interesting to see, for example, what um, a physician does in in um in growing herself and use that to, to grow real estate. Um, and yeah, a lot of the principles are the same. And in the end, it, it is about a lifestyle that caters to our mission and our purpose and, um, you know, through business and real estate and um, cultivating a holistic type of um, lifestyle that, that works best for, for ourselves. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense, and that's a great way to uh, to put it. And to wrap things up, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more to go in the future too. Like we're we're all so young, and we all have so much time to keep growing. And the fact is that you know, by being out there, by doing social media marketing videos, podcasting events, that we're putting ourselves out there, and we're mm -hmm. you know, trying to engage and speak with a lot of different people, and just hopefully, you know, just show how passionate we are about real estate and investing in our lifestyles that. We want to attract a lot of great people who are like-minded and grow together and have fun. And I see you having a lot of fun with a lot of top agents in the, our areas and you're doing a lot of deals with them. And I can see them uh, working with you so many times over uh, doing their fix and flip projects, doing their house hacking um, and, you know, continually growing together. And I look forward to having like our team and others, you know, use you to uh, with the hard money loans and to learn from you on how to do it and have you as part of their team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I really admire what you do as well. And you putting yourself out there and um, I, I can sense the passion and, you know, your expertise. And yeah, like you said, it, it is um, a long term type of partnership. And I think it's just really great that this community is so open and um, yeah, just so fun to work with. And so it, it just really makes my job enjoyable. That's a great way to do it because especially when you have great people to work with, it makes it just so much easier. It's not, it doesn't have a job anymore. It's just more like fun. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go invest. Let's go find you. The next <laughs> let's, let's calculate it. Hey, actually, that's a good deal. Let's go buy that and make it yeah. happen, right? Yeah. So what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, they can find me on my website, which has everything. So it's uh, www.brendatchen.com. And then my email is there, brendatcvlending.com. And so you can find me on social media as well. You can just search Brenda Chen and um, hope to see you on these platforms. Perfect. So what we'll do is, you know, make sure we're going to see you again and hopefully see you soon at a physical event. But for now, we're going to see you online more often than not. And just keep learning more about real estate investing and what's going on in the market and see you at your SF Bay Real Estate Club. And then for everyone else out there, you know, check us out, check Brenda out and make sure you join her events, join our events and then check us out of our interviews, mastermind events and more at MatthewMod.com. And we'll see you guys in the next one. See you guys. Bye. Thank you, Matt.